0: new year new you it's 2024 what was your resolution or if you didn't do resolutions what is one of your goals for 2024
1: uh i'm katie rich and i'm setting a goal for myself i want to learn how to properly make fried rice i make it and i kind of make it up and i've looked up recipes they haven't been that good but i feel like i could really nail the fried rice recipe that works for me and that's what i'm gonna do this year
2: you make it up so what do you do now that you what would change do you think
1: I think I would like find a recipe, find something consistent and not every time be like, that's enough soy sauce. I think I'll put rice vinegar in now, like have like a steady thing that I like.
2: Less jazz,
1: but also be <laughs> able to put all whatever vegetables I need in there. I need like a good base sauce and then be able to change it up with vegetables and proteins. You know,
2: I don't. I'm Matt Patches. The answer is probably to use a lot of oil, <laughs> uh, which is what restaurants do MSG, and what make everything taste MSG. good. MSG. Yep.
1: There we
2: go. Um, I'm Matt Patches. I'm going to carry over my resolution from 2023, which I failed, which was to memorize like a long poem that I can uh, throw out there at like a party if I wanted to just recite a poem and. What no parties
1: are you going to where someone's <laughs> not like, you a, poems? Not a terrible
2: waste <laughs> of time. <New> York <laughs> dinner, I'm going to get up on stage and recite a poem. Move um, over, I just Charles a poem, But I, I, I set this for myself last year and failed in the 365 days that I had to sit down and memorize a poem. One, I couldn't. Because you were a doing
3: more worthwhile things with your life somehow.
2: Like I, teaching I, your yeah, yeah, creators Louise. how to improv. Well, At least can eat in the her,
3: teaching. her new resolution.
2: That's Poetry is pointless, is your point. Know? Yeah, so david is that what you, is that <laughs> your takeaway
3: no sure mm. okay that well, helps.
2: That's you that's you
0: that's you <laughs> i'm uh dave with the seven and i i have a cup a long-standing new year's resolution to not fall down 2023 another successful mm. year not falling down congrats you didn't Someone fall roll one that time over? nope
2: it's mean, like you in, fall. Any, david. in
3: any situation where did you fall correct okay did you fall
2: oh. david this year did you fall
3: I fall all the time. The other day, really it was like three days ago, two days ago. There was a huge bang at midnight or thereabouts in my kid's room, and then I heard my baby screaming, and I bolted from the couch wearing socks, reached the kitchen, which is in my tiny ass apartment, about five feet from between the uh, couch and their bedroom. Completely wiped out after slipping on the tile, uh, <laughs> totally fucked up my left arm and leg. You Got in, in there. there. Were now, it turned out that right? my, no, I was on the couch. Oh, it turned okay, out that happened? my uh, Asa, uh, my not baby, had somehow rolled out of his bed, even though there's only like a very small area Aww. where there aren't bars, uh, and was still asleep on the floor. <laughs> but the, <laughs> the bang of him hitting the floor had uh, woken up Ray, who was very alarmed. Um, wow. And I was easily the worst for wear out of everyone.
0: Well, it's important to not fall down, uh, especially as we all get older. As you age. Yeah, man. I don't think I've fallen down since uh, 2019, knock on wood. Uh, But that still don't want to get COVID. So I could be a superhero. And uh, I think Neil Miller, uh, the other podcast I do said after 10 years. So by 2030, I could I could declare myself. Do you think there's a
2: correlation between the emergence of COVID-19 and you not falling down? Ooh. So Um, if you were to fall, mm. would it be over?
0: No, because it had been my New Year's resolution previous to that. Uh, uh, okay,
2: just, I wanted to clear the air there. I know, there were some years I fell down. Well, mostly
0: oh, if totally. you make it your New Year's resolution not to fall down, you start really paying attention to when you do and don't fall down. Anyway, uh, my my goal is I'm actually going to watch the entirety of Reservation Dogs, because that's the thing I said I was going to do last year, um, <laughs> is catch up in time for the final season, and I didn't, so I'm going to do that. Hmm.
2: Yeah. David?
3: Um, <laughs> like I'm David I actually right do have a resolution this year to stop wearing I,
1: socks uh, when you go to your apartment yeah. <laughs> I
3: mean, man, that's uh, you gotta get those grippy
2: socks that your kids probably yeah,
3: have we got our heat fixed after seven years so I no longer have to wear one, let alone my usual two pairs of socks in our apartment um, but no, uh, my resolution is to uh, I, and actually Katie, I, when I mentioned this resolution to friend of the pod David Sims, the other night he invoked you as mm. uh, an inspiration, um, potentially, but I would like to journal, but not journal with any sort of feeling, not journal exhaustively. Mm. I just really like, like uh, you know Cormac McCarthy, like prose. Yeah. Although you want to write artful, down the shit that happened um, of uh, what happened that day. Mostly, yeah. mostly uh, as it pertains to my children. Because yeah. I uh, am not going to really care. I think in thirty years, when I look back on this, what movie I watched on Indie TV or whatever the fuck for uh, for work, <laughs> um, I'm I just want to retain a memory of the things that my kids do and say that are easy to forget amidst all the the change in their lives.
1: Do you know about the five lines a day journal? This is what I use not consistently i've been pretty bad about it lately uh but it is I, ha- I have three of them and you can find them on amazon if you look up five lines a day and it's exactly what it says and you write on the same like each page like december 13th is the same thing every for five years you'd be like oh this is what i was doing on this day last year mm, uh, and it's great and it, cool. there's not much space uh it's very rigid so you're not going to, Man, um, will, have to feel pressure to fill up i will space. buy
3: that right now five lines do it Costs about 15 day. bucks
1: also and
0: look up usb microphone Canvas is it? Canvas. Be a great
3: resolution. No, Patches <laughs> is going to give me his microphone. That should be his resolution. Patches has he a is? bonus, bonus microphone, and I told him to give it to me, and he hasn't yet. So every time that my sound is bad, listeners out there Christmas. know that it's because Matt Patches has not mailed me. This is our lightning round. Yeah, it podcast. Podcast. It's
1: actually called Wait, one line a day. I was so long. One line a day. I it's just, like it, it's yeah, blue. I just dropped. It's, it's blue. Like yep. Teal. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. Bye now.
1: It's perfect.
3: Wow. I'm excited I, for I'm you. I'm than I was when this episode started. We're you back. guys are complaining
1: uh, about this being too long when this is our deliberately New Year's grab bag also, episode? Oh, we does have anyone
3: a remember my, anyone remember my Amazon password? <laughs> We're unraveling! Oh, it, right. it is the first right.
2: podcast of the year!
3: <laughs> well, like the Rangers are currently unraveling in their first game of the year, it all wow. comes together
1: all right wow okay gentlemen you can't fight in here this is the war room
0: fine i can hear you now dimitri clear and plain and coming through fine i'm coming
1: through fine too
3: eh good then well then as you say we're both coming through fine
1: good well it's
3: good that you're fine then and i'm fine i agree with you it's great to be fine Uh, It's it's
1: hello and welcome to fighting in the war Rooms. it's episode 457 it is the week of Wednesday, January third. That is the day that in 1870 construction began on the Brooklyn Bridge. Yay. How long did it build? It's one of those things like the Empire State Building where they built it weirdly fast. Maybe not.
3: How quickly did they build? The they Empire ordered State it building? on Amazon. Just it, like it, I Empire, just wrote that built, book.
1: They built the Empire State Building in like a year. What? Yeah. You didn't like it's like like I think it's like WPA thing where they just had like so many people to work on it.
2: I'm not going in there anymore. <laughs> Magic of the Empire State it. Building.
1: One year and 45 days is how long it took to build the Empire State Building. How Ooh. long did
2: the Brooklyn Bridge take to
1: uh, I'm Googling build. it right now. Hello, welcome to our uh, bridgecast. Uh, weird uh, bridge cast uh, New Year's. It took 14 years to build the Brooklyn Bridge.
2: That takes a while. That's, that's what longer year than did you say? Uh,
1: 1870.
2: Wow. It's amazing that we use the things they built in the 1800s and the early 1900s. I think about this all the time when I go through the Holland Tunnel. In New York, which was built, I believe, in like the nineteen twenties. And I'm like, I'm driving through a tunnel underwater built yep. in the nineteen twenties. Am I yep. sane? And nope. uh it doesn't leak. They they've done improvements over time, but I'm still a little it's a little fishy.
1: I mean, there's Roman <laughs> aqueducts that still carry water, so you know?
2: They really build did it well.
1: Build yeah, it once, we build done. it right.
2: Well, we have erected a podcast that will last and it's really. I
1: mean, I mean uh, it's lasted this long. We,
2: <laughs> I we did the internet patches. That's that's
0: what we did. And a uh, hundred years <laughs> from now, sure it'll it be was like, built to last.
1: That generation
0: yep. did the internet.
1: And everything we ever wrote for it will absolutely live on and be very findable. Yeah, how are my uh, blog posts from
2: UGO.com gone, but the Brooklyn Bridge stands? <laughs> <It's>
1: <laughs> every cool frame days. from the Green Lantern
2: trailer is gone, <laughs> <laughs> and the Brooklyn Bridge stands? Really and makes if we you forget think. our
1: history, we're doomed to repeat it. Uh, we, need, we need to fix Tomar that. Tomar um, Ray
2: screen caps gone, Brooklyn so. Bridge
1: stands? So this is a podcast that's going to be all over the place, but we are going to start the way we usually start because it appears that we have a review and some emails
3: to talk about. We do. You must be checking a different internet than I've been. Uh, oh, well, I'm the have, doc
1: that Dave wrote. I guess we I'm have
3: checking. a review from Danny, not of House Targaryen, who says, Sex in the City, Dave Seven, Samantha, Patches, Charlotte, Katie, Carrie, David, Miranda, before and just like that ruined her. Oh. I would love uh, I would love uh, someone to elaborate on that for me, so well, that I don't have to Jay actually. Look yeah, that's where Che Diaz
1: comes in, right? Okay,
3: so Che Diaz ruined they Miranda. Really
2: did ruined her?
3: I didn't. I it's... didn't know on whom Che Diaz had a direct impact.
1: <laughs> on whom Che anyway. Diaz had fallen?
3: <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> I feel Jay good Jay about that. Feel... Now I'm just picturing Gerard Butler and Che Diaz has fallen. Sounds like a fall. <laughs> anyway, um, this is without a doubt the only correct answer. They say, thanks for all the hours of great entertainment and all you do. Have we reached uh, more than one hour of great entertainment over the years? If you add up all the mm. milliseconds of I great mean, entertainment, we've provided. I sure. Yeah, yeah. Remember,
0: like, the third year we were in existence, someone took all of our ums and ahs and edited it together to, like, a minute and 30 seconds? I do seconds? not remember
3: that. I that truly was like. I don't even have, like, the slightest hint of recognition that that happened. Oh yeah, well but
0: it's I've... out there
1: somewhere. Well, yeah, it, find works. It. it works.
0: It works. Oh we also Were you gonna throw it me? No. Nope. Okay. <laughs> well, we also have <laughs> an email account, fitwr.podcast at gmail.com, and we have three emails today. This first one, the subject is box office question. Uh, it's from Owen who says hi guys Love the podcast interesting to see The continuing trend of superhero Declining superhero movies declining at the Box office any general thoughts On that without many superhero movies coming Out next year any thoughts on what could be The big hits I have a feeling dune part Two could perform quite well and will David give the first one another shot before It comes out thanks keep up mm. the great work
1: Did we talk about superhero Movies relatively recently I feel like We Wait, had there, the, we like had Dave Marvel, explained to us Why it's not that? over yeah I mean, I yeah, guess that's a
2: separate we're gonna, question. We're going to talk. We are going to talk about Aquaman, Aquaman 2. Aquaman, the lost
3: kingdom. We are. Moment. Is, is that More a like fair way Aquaman, to discuss the-, the lost two hours of my life. Am I right? Well,
1: wait, I want to hear from Dave because <sighs> I have truly. Do I? Can I name a superhero movie that I know is coming out this year?
3: Yes. Oh,
0: there is one DC one, one Marvel one. Katie, okay, you absolutely three- can. Three Sony Spider Man movies. Sony oh, Spider Man. I know
1: about Madam Webb. Yeah. yeah Madam okay. Web. There we go. That's one. Uh, wait. Is Craven not... the Hunter this year? That's
3: two. Yes, it yes. is. But you're forgetting the uh, obvious one. Is there a Venom 2? No, Venom there's, there's a Venom 3. That's yeah. the three Spider Man All right. Okay. You're, there's you're one still not at like, the most obvious one.
0: Yeah. One Marvel one and a
2: really obvious DC one.
0: A
1: really
2: obvious one. That might DC actually. That's the Marvel one's a bit of a twist, though, because it hasn't been. I mean, this is a big hint, but it's like you're not going to think of it as MCU. Oh, but it is MCU now. Yes, maybe we're going to find out. They're not doing
0: Fantastic Four again already. No, Uh, No. I have no idea. While Katie thinks, oh, and I think actually uh, one of the movies uh, that Katie hasn't thought of yet is actually going to end up being super successful and kind of turn around the box office thing. Uh, It's not going to be Deadpool three. I don't think if Deadpool three gets turned around, it is capable of making a lot of money uh but i would say my money right now is on joker Folly adu as being the most successful superhero uh, project that, of 2024 that, that doesn't even does, count
1: does that not tell you that the era of the superhero universe thing is over if joker Folly adu winds up being the most successful of the year
0: it's just we need better superhero movies like uh the answer to so the what's joker fix... sequel
1: is where we're headed it's a musical I mean,
0: katie it's a musical. It's that's coming true. off of a billion-dollar uh, first movie that got Walking Phoenix an Oscar. In terms of how we think about box office success, that's the one that I'm Joker pretty confident will do okay.
2: This year's one. Yeah,
3: it's it's hard to. Imagine. I think that movie is sort of resistant to the the trend. I think that movie will be fine financially. What I'm concerned about with that movie is that you know, Lady Gaga has given two film performances, and both I would argue. Are among the very, very best Reed? of their I think year. You mean? What was Isn't the she
2: third? In a, She's in uh, Machete uh, Kills. Can yeah, respect. <laughs>
3: can we respect? Uh, uh, wow, two, David. Two, two lead performances okay, in the film. Okay. Both, both were among the uh, the best in their year. And the idea Gucci. of a Joker movie. And I understand the Walking Phoenix somehow won best actor uh, actor for the uh, actor for the first actor, but uh, the <laughs> idea of one of the actual best performances of the year coming from a joker movie is horrifying for me to think about but entirely plausible. Well,
0: well we're going to talk about it on trial by content this week cuz we're going to do our 2024 big movie bet where we try to guess on what is going to be the biggest movie of 2024. We all got pretty close last I was year. I say who did
2: who how did 2023 Are
1: go? Are we spoiling your podcast if you tell us how it no, turned No,
0: out? no, no. Uh, we so the winner of the entire year cuz it was Rotten Tomatoes scores, Metacritic scores, and then Box Office. And Box Office was slightly um, lighter than the other two Critic scores. So the best uh, of the year was the Eras Tour. That ended up being the highest on our metric. uh, Followed by uh, Across the Spider-Verse, which ended Mm. up being uh, second. And then Barbie uh, was like something around third. Uh, Wait, but, how did you guys
1: account for Eris in your bet, though? There's no way you could have known about it.
0: We didn't. That's So we all lost, so we all tumped thumped uh, <laughs> on the last podcast of the year <laughs> at the very beginning. We all drank a whiskey drink, a vodka drink, a lager drink, and a cider drink. It's mm-hmm. a very drunk podcast. Well, I'm trying to do it again for this week and have been looking at a whole bunch of the movies. Uh, someone's going to suggest Dune Part 2, and because of that, I rewatched uh Dune mm. uh, again this morning. And uh, still boring. So, yeah, David, I,
3: thank you. I, I don't I, think I Yeah. Yeah. You have to re- watch it. No, I'm not going. I mean, I've, I've seen it multiple times now uh, to this listener. Um, I think any hope that I have is, is not for some magical reversal on the first Dune. It's that Denis Villeneuve delivers on the quotes that he's been making doing the press rounds about how Dune 2 is a lot more exciting than Dune 1. It's a low bar to clear, but uh, I I am hoping that the second one is uh, a big step up from the first one. I can David find something to more enjoy about that. I would pow. really, really, be really <laughs> frustrated to have to write effectively the same review again um, for Dune Part 2. But I do believe that it will do That's better than the first one That's called plagiarism,
1: David. You can't just do that. Yeah,
3: <laughs> I mean, it would be wonderful running to Harvard just... for that yeah wow too soon i, I would read, be wonderful I to read. just copy and paste my review of dune 1 and just put two in
0: there <laughs> <Just put> one. <laughs> the, the one uh, movie that i'm rooting for next year that i know absolutely nothing about but i'm rooting for it just because it exists is twisters the sequel to twister
3: no. ben Powell, just, it should I be hope, with a z well, instead of directed it has, by but... lee isaac chung of uh minari, right, so minari yeah, which from...
1: makes perfect sense I mean, so I much guess, about Minari says Twisters in the like
2: Midwestern aspect of it. I guess Yeah, there's definitely
1: something like Arkansas something. Which wait, is there a tornado in Minari or some kind of storm? No, Ken, well, Ken, Ken, yeah, there's a, a, a storm. fire. Is there a is there,
2: storm is it a too? Fire? No, no there's, there's definitely a, a fire. At some
3: point. Does their trailer get oh, caught on fire? There's 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 bad weather. There's a cloud. There's I a piss. <laughs> there's piss. <in laughs> it, there is and a they cloud drink in piss. Minari. <laughs> there's a, do you think they'll
2: right. drink Mountain Dew piss in Twisters? Maybe, that's Maybe. who knows? So that's probably. his signature.
0: All right, there we have another email. This one comes from Shruti, who uh, in oh, the yeah, subject Shruti. is in defense of pre-roll thank yous. Uh, hey, Fitware mm. team, I've been meaning to write in for a while, so please excuse me digging up this topic of conversation you all discussed in August, but I absolutely love pre-rolls thanking me for coming to the movie prior to the movie. I'm an AMC A-lister, so I just love the creativity of having something specific from the movie air after Nicole, but before the movie. The most ridiculous one I saw was a little animation of a dinosaur attacking Minions that played before Jurassic World Dominion. It ended with a little message that said, see you soon for the Minions, The Rise of Gru. Not sure how many Jurassic World viewers were getting pumped to see the Minions by that pre-roll, but I'm amused by Universal's Jack Donaghy-inspired levels of... (laughs) <laughs> Jack Donaghy inspired levels of synergy. It's, it's what gave us the teaser for Oppenheimer before Nope. Uh, Nia Vidalos also popped up on my screen before My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3 to ah, thank me for coming to the movie. <laughs> Proceeded to recap the first two movies and then teased the third movie. They essentially played the trailer for My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3 right before My Big Fat Greek <laughs> Wedding 3. It's silly, but I'm always amused by what folks decide to do at that time. Remember how awkward the Babylon thank you was when they thanked us for seeing it in a packed movie theater? (laughs) While I'm here, I want to give a quick shout out to David for his top 25 videos. I don't want to sound creepy, but I watch those so many times I associate Shallow more with Beale Street and Fallout than A Star Mm. Is Born. Also, shout out to Dave for letting me plug my podcast, Chaos on the Set, when I called into the show. We're currently covering Lost with two folks who've never seen the show. Dave showed me the best way to consume Lost is via podcast slash not being allowed to binge. So if anyone else finds that enjoyable, please check us out. Just kidding. You could absolutely binge watch Lost, but one episode a week for two and a half years will also be a lot of fun. And shout out to Katie for dealing with the boys. Thank you for creating such an enjoyable podcast. Sorry, Patches. If I had the power to, I (laughs) I thank you on the big screen at your next movie going experience. Yeah, Uh, Patches, be be more specific about your flavor. I don't have a
2: personality.
1: That was delightful.
0: Uh, uh, I wonder yeah. if
1: that Jurassic World thing is why the gentle minions happened. Is that like the hidden origin that we did <laughs> wow. not <can> know
0: about? <laughs> well, um, that's another thing yeah. that could hit in
2: twenty twenty four.
0: Where there's a there's a Despicable Me four, so the gentle I minions could return.
2: Into the mm. idea of the minions like being in other movies or something, you know, mm. like could the minions do their own Christmas Carol, Muppet Christmas Carol, Minions Christmas Carol? Yeah, banana. Or just I, banana. To just Honestly, do Fast Eleven happened. themselves. <laughs> yeah just be in more mo- different movies <laughs> I mean, they're more
3: really popular the, than the fast movies now the coca cola short film contest which i believe may still be ongoing just made me so deeply depressed year after year after year and part because of the pre-roll the at amc's $30, i mean just those, those like short film the, to make, like, the worst coke ad you've ever seen that's vaguely movie-related. And, I mean, maybe it helped, maybe there's a grant involved, maybe they're getting money that they can use towards some sort of actual No, they're not. Pursuit. I know I somebody know. who won
2: that one year, and it's, really, really oh. get, like, 30k or whatever to have, shoot on film, and, like, make a little ad. So, you get the, the experience, I guess, that's nice. You get, yeah, I mean, yeah. you get to be on set, you get to make a movie, it's yeah, pretty cool.
3: That's, that's nice, but the ads are grim. Uh and uh, as depressing as it would be to hear what a
2: nostalgia blast. Margo they Robbie do thank me for anymore.
3: seeing Babylon in a packed movie theater know <laughs> <I'm> by myself
2: <laughs> uh one more email one
3: more. uh
0: this one's from Jorge it's the subject is seems impossible yeah. to leave a review on i o s podcast app. I'm glad you gave it a try, but uh, right, just wanted to say thank you for your show and all you've done. I've followed and listened since the op Kino days. I've also been enjoying some of the related podcasts. This will reach you around the time of the scheduled release of David Ehrlich's year-end countdown video. Definitely something I've enjoyed (sighs) and might not have come across if not for your shows. I find that hard to believe, but I'm glad we could put you in that direction. Um, They continue. It's something I've actually gone back and revisited to the degree that there's a near uh, Proustian response with certain songs. Pavlovian?
1: No, Percy. Like both, you like hear work. one yeah, hear like, like one note Madeline. of it. it. It transports you. It's like the ratatouille and ratatouille. Ah, got it. Cool,
0: cool. Uh uh, they continue. I'm glad that David <laughs> lists the music, but one thing I'd love to have is a list of the movies which have clips in the overall nah. montage, but aren't included in the countdown. Why well, never would you
1: get sued? Uh,
3: no, I wouldn't know. It's just a pain in the ass. No. <laughs> the, isn't, the, uh, isn't the
1: whole thing a pain in the ass?
3: Oh, um, Steven Yoon, no longer involved in Marvel's Thunderbolts, a variety says, to combine us talking about superheroes and Minari in one beautiful piece of news <laughs> as the yeah, Marvel cinematic go. universe continues to crumble.
0: Anyway, uh, 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 yeah. Uh, I'll almost start with the email and then we'll yeah, get yeah. to the answer. Okay. Uh, great yeah. time capsules, just as your evergreen quarter quills are. Being a mid Gen Xer, I related to your. Quarter Coil number 250, not having lived in New York City, but lived in Portland, Oregon after college for 10 years before returning to the Midwest. You had perfectly expressed how the memories and experiences while you live in a city, especially in your 20s, can live strongly after leaving and affect the perception upon returning. Happy New Year to you all, all, and thank you. So that was from Jorge. David, explain why you don't want to watch the movies. Um, well, I just, I, I,
3: one, people, I've seen people do that in the comments and on Reddit and whatnot, and I think that's a fun game for people to play. Uh, I think you can, hooray! if you're looking, first of all, if there's ever anything you're really, really dying to know, uh, you can find me and I will tell you. Uh, Is there you a Reddit do...
1: about you? Where Which Reddit? No, I know whatever, whatever,
3: whatever sub-threads these things are posted. But you can always, you can tweet at me, um, and I will uh, tell you about, you know, where a piece of footage comes from, so... Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's, that's something for other people to do. I list the music and the rest is up to you, but, uh, um, thank you for watching. I'm currently, uh, really, really, really struggling slash racing to finish this year's video in time working on it literally in this moment and sort of afraid that you can, even though I don't, I don't really understand how computers work. So I'm afraid that like the scrubbing I'm doing on my little timeline in premiere will somehow be heard. On oh. the audio track that we're recording for this podcast, maybe um, you should
1: not multitask yeah. with those things Katie, at the same if time. If I had the luxury of not
3: multitasking, uh, also I do this because I'm sort of I have a compulsive brain, and uh, when I set it upon a task, you would just be I playing
0: Marvel Snap otherwise. Yeah, I can't I can't stop <laughs> myself from
3: doing certain things, uh, and so I wish I could devote that energy to something more constructive. But that's why I've started fundraising around these videos so I can at least get something positive out of it uh out of my just like weird compulsive behavior that has taken root around these videos um and to that point uh one of the reasons i'm really feeling the pressure to finish this video in time for the deadline i gave myself next monday is because i started my fundraiser early this year um for several reasons but uh it's for the palestine children's relief fund and uh uh the fundraiser is off and running already and um as if, you know, it was not difficult enough finding the time to finish this incredibly meticulous headache of a thing um in the next couple of days, uh, with two small kids. I, I now really feel uh like hot under the collar about making sure that it's done in time because there's already been more than thirteen thousand dollars pledged towards our thirty thousand dollar goal. But the incredibly worthwhile cause couldn't be more urgent if you like these videos or would like to donate to and or would like to Donate to um, as vital a cause as I can imagine these days. The, Google any of the things. I mean, it'll be in the show notes. Maybe Dave will be kind enough to put it in the show notes. and You'll be able to find a link to my fundraiser. But anyway, by the time the next week's episode comes out, either I will be dead or this video will be online. Or both.
0: Yeah. Well, if you, uh, <laughs> if you have some time after donating and you would like to support us, you could wrestle with the apple podcast app and we will read your reviews there you could email us at fitwr.podcast at gmail.com with lots of questions and stuff uh, if we get so many emails that we have to parse them out over different shows i i promise this won't become an answering emails uh podcast unless you wanted to send in those emails
1: As we said from the beginning, we deliberately deliberately uh, not structured, not poorly structured. Just, you know, it's freewheeling. It's the beginning of the year. I think we thought we were going to do our top tens and then I chickened out because it wasn't ready yet. So we're going to get to those. <laughs> that me. Actually, I don't want to make assumptions about top tens, but I really want to hear Matt Patches talk about Aquaman 2. <laughs> and if it comes back up on the top tens next week, I'll eat I, my I words. Am going,
3: I'm going to make the assumption. I'll just say, Katie, I, you know what? I'm brave. I'm not like you. I'm going to say that I don't think Aquaman colon, The Lost Kingdom is going to be on Matt Patch's top 10 this year.
2: I, I'm going to agree with you, David. Ah, uh, uh, okay. Good. No spoilers detected. This was a massive disappointment for me. Have people, David, did you see The Lost Kingdom?
3: Oh, what? I sure did. Uh, And I also really enjoyed the original Aquaman. This one's a stinker. stinky
2: Yeah, this this one, it's kind of baffling um, because it's not it's more frustrating because it's not a disaster. It's it's not really terrible or something. And I know the movie was reshot to hell over the last few years as it was like integrated into the DC universe further and then just, you know, extracted from it and uh, all sorts of things happened to this movie over the last few years. I mean, it was supposed to come out one year ago and didn't um so i think i was prepared for utter disaster here even though aquaman the original is the number one highest grossing dc movie of all time it made more money than the dark knight uh billion dollar i film. still I'm have
1: never 100 sh- percent figured out how I, mean, I know it's correct but like i don't get it on some it was just in that level. window
2: where like nothing came out there was no Star Wars. Everyone wants to see a Star Wars. It was like
1: that that Avatar, Avatar Spider-Man No Way Home window. Yep. where exactly. like and it just, just kind makes of money all through sailed
2: January. huge cash. And it was a really cool movie. I mean, I think James Wan threw it all at the board uh, with that first Aquaman and just there's so much design. There's so much kinetic action. Jason Momoa is funny. Patrick Wilson pretty goofy as the, the over-the-top villain who's playing off Momoa. Like, there's a lot going on. And that movie, a lot of fun to be had. There's, I mean, an, there's an octopus, octopus who drums. plays drums. Oh my god, yeah, David, we both first. went to Topo. <laughs> um, and Topo's back, and maybe he's the best part of uh, the Lost Kingdom because not going to see him play Topo? drums. But he does go on a spy mission and uh, flops Ooh. around in the desert. Well, they
3: try to one up the octopus playing drums with like an octopus or like a, a like a mermaid pop band or something this time. Very Star uh, Wars, Cantina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: and and this movie unfortunately for james wan who i do think has a vision for this franchise and can make big movies and can make small weirdo movies like malignant and and kind of do it all i'm not a defender of all his movies but i i I, he made the best fast and the furious movie in my opinion like the guy can go big the guy can go small and he can kind of bring interesting ideas to i have great i have great opinions um he can he can kind of do it all in, in my book so i was enthusiastic to see him come back to this i know that at some point too he flirted with doing the trench like a horror movie version yeah. of aquaman oh, which Meg i two, think the trench no no not no Meg two, Meg what? two a DC movie the trench. the trench what yeah, there was, there was gonna a, be like gonna a gonna a another movie. trench yeah the trench was part of like the aquaman races and the kingdoms and whatever and they were gonna go down <laughs> in the darkness and do a horror thing there, there's a bit of that in this movie but Certainly not enough in any direction. There's like Lecra- Lovecraftian monsters in the in the depths of this movie, but it's so it's such a rehash. Like there's not a single bit of this movie that I didn't feel like the design had been set in stone. In the in the first movie, it's and and the plot is incomprehensible. It's a buddy cop movie for part of it, which might be the best thing. Like Momoa busts Orm, the Ocean Master, out of. Desert jail, and they go on a fantastic, like Jules Verne journey into an overgrown island lair for like maybe fifteen minutes, and they have a fun. See, that's a
1: great concept for a whole movie. Like when you yeah. hear when I heard oh. people talk about it being like Patrick Wilson being like, basically the second lead in the movie, I was like, great. Okay, there's an win. incredible.
3: There's an incredible moment when there's a break because they keep Patrick Wilson in like a sand jail where it's all dry. Uh, uh, so he, he needs his water. powers, and he looks like Tom Hanks in Castaway, and Castaway. <laughs> Like old J. Jason Momoa calls him Castaway like, and tells yeah. him to
2: get his Wilson.
3: Yeah. Okay. Good, I good com- bit, good completely forgot that. But oh, uh, yes. but then they're like running away from some arbitrary CGI, whatever's. They're on and, like dogs uh, or something. They, yeah, and they reach the the water and Patrick Wilson. Yes. It like dips under the waves <laughs> and emerges from the waves, a golden god, <laughs> just completely <laughs> jacked out of control. The most like uh,
2: anime <laughs> Dragon Ball moment in the whole thing, and it and it. And there was a lot of that vibes or, like, Chinese animation really informed the first movie. The spectacle was really there. This movie never meets that Patrick Wilson moment again in the film. And it never goes big. Like, this movie felt suffocatingly small and, and green screeny to me. I, I actually attended, weirdly enough, uh. Patrick Wilson lives in, well, he lives in the town over from me, but owns my movie theater. So I went to see Aquaman 2 with Patrick Wilson present. Um, yeah. And I was deeply embarrassed to be there because it was his like fa- friends and family screening plus VIP members of the theater. Like I pay for the subscription thing they offer, sure. So it was me and Patrick Wilson, his family, friends the other theater owners and like it's such a it's such a disaster and it's and he's good in it he's good in it and it's well-meaning but even he was like hey guys it's not that long right and <laughs> like, Ooh, that's not what you want to be saying at at the q a um yeah this is a bad time I, but david like what what goes what went really wrong with this movie why is it so flaccid or like so is it incomprehensible i don't even know if it i guess it makes sense like they're trying to find an undead king it's like lord of the rings ish the time the
3: first movie uh was underwater and this one isn't Mm. (laughs) Mm. and he's aquaman what are you you
2: talking about oh you mean that they're running above the water a lot of the time
3: they spend so much of this movie above water
2: (laughs) and like
3: in spaces that are like neither, yeah. that feel neither underwater nor above ground, like sometimes it's like a, a frozen necropolis, uh, you know, under Antarctica, or whatever. But man, there's like there's a whole sequence where they're being buddy buddies. It's just like Uncharted meets King Kong. Um, it could be basically any one of any number of movies that have come out in the last thirty years. Could be Dungeons and Dragons. Could be anything. Uh, they the go. The they go to an underwater
2: like, slumlord like underbelly world that's totally out of Star Wars and is a, yeah. Martin it Short feels, is Job of yeah. the Hutt of the underwater kingdom or something. It's bizarre. It all feels
3: very derivative. Whereas yeah. the first movie, I was also extremely stoned for. Um, I saw it at the ArcLight. <laughs> light. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was. I had such a good time, um, and it was just yeah. Everything felt. Like it was completely unrestrained, and every scene was sort of topping the one before. And by the time he goes into, I want to call it the trench, but apparently it's not like the trench in Aquaman. He goes into when the movie, you know, the original, goes into like a horror mode, and he visits Julie Christie's, uh, you know, Kraken. Um, Julie Christie's like, in this movie. No, Julie Andrews. No, the first one. Oh, Julie Andrews. Yeah. Oh, Uh, Julie Andrews. Kraken. That's how stoned I was. It was Julie Christie. Uh, (laughs) That it was. um, I was like, this is wonderful. I mean, it was. It has a real sense of scale and adventure, and it's all, you know, it's a space opera underwater, uh, and all of it works. And this one is so, you know, it's so. It's like a a journey to the center of the earth. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's all well, there's an interesting technical thing. You
3: know, when something was wrong in the beginning, when like there's this great there's this potentially great scene with, um, you know, when they they go to the Antarctica and there's a giant tentacle uh, and it takes uh, people away into the bottom of the sea. And you think you're going to see the monster that has the giant tentacles and you're going to get like a classic James Wan horror scene. And then you don't. They're just sort of like underwater. And then you never really see where the tentacles come from.
2: Yeah, and, and Yaya Abdul-Mateen, he plays Black Manta again. It's like, it's the same thing as last time, except this time he's possessed by a ghost. I guess we yeah. needed that, but he's still just angry. By the ghost angry. from Return of the King. There's a lot of Return of the King <laughs> yes, if there's, like, leftover true. effects
3: used in this movie. And Nicole sets.
2: Kidman shows up almost just in CG. I feel like she Has might be to no two in seconds movie.
3: At, at <laughs> one point, footage. you can see a fully CGI Nicole Kidman do a backflip or yes. front flip, a flip of some kind. That's a promise. Um it, yeah. wow they, i mean I,
1: look yeah that's intriguing
3: yeah. <laughs> i will say the, the 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 technical
2: thing that stood out to me after the fact was in the q a with patrick wilson after the movie in which i asked the only good question which is what do they do about your hair when you you have in multiple times in this movie the guys jump out of the water did you identify yourself
3: land. as polygon journalist matt patches i
2: definitely did not but i was holding a pen so i i, oh, I could have been called <laughs> out um but I was like, oh, did they have to, like, wet your hair with a spray bottle? Like, how do they get good wet hair that looks good? I'll give this movie that. Uh, the hair people deserve Oscar love because if you're getting out of the water but your hair still looks good, that's an accomplishment. Patrick Wilson laughed at me and didn't give a very good answer other than they just throw buckets of water on you. Um, <laughs> but what he did say that was interesting is that this movie, the first movie, he was relieved that they didn't go with the decision – in the first movie they went, we're all on rigs to do all the underwater stuff. They were on wires in front of blue screen doing just horrendous amounts of like acrobats and pretend swimming around. And it was all on wires and it was deeply uncomfortable. And this time, all they had to do was go to like a warehouse and get a facial scan and they could do all their mocap and that they would just plug them into like CG bodies to do all the swimming and stuff. Bullshit. The first movie is really good because they weren't, did they, they did wire work. And the second movie sucks because they're just video game characters. And mm. th- thank you to Patrick Wilson for helping me realize that. <laughs> well, see, thing, it was like, uh-huh. it,
1: I never saw Quantumania, but like the idea of you make like a big silly world, but if all it's also weightless and like is in a world that doesn't feel like it exists, it kind of takes something away from you, right?
2: Well, I, I think the first movie is kind of like that though. It's like mm. the successful version of Quantumania because the designs are really cohesive but extraordinary and weird just with intention like to david makes a great point a lot of the movie is underwater in the first one and a lot of it is playing around with like fish creatures and crab people and there's just lots of design going on and taking full advantage of the underwater world this one has just nothing new at all it's a big wet rag of a movie and uh he's got a baby in this one hugely disappointed and that pisses on him multiple times
3: yeah it pisses in like aquaman mm, gets on pissed on mouth.
2: three times twice yeah. by a baby i'm not gonna give away the third piss
3: how uh, how
0: how could you have the aqua baby and black manta and not honor this comic book storyline where black manta kills the aqua baby
2: uh they wow do kind of honor it they kill or a baby f- in aquaman 2 they flirt with a baby death
0: okay Jeez, so they're fun, stealing fun from times that. in the Aquaman universe.
3: Uh, I I saw this movie in 3D. Patrick, did you mention you saw this in 3D? They're still I did doing not that, see huh? the 3D. This is, is I, this is the first movie I've seen in 3D since, since... Avatar, which was the first movie oh, okay. I'd seen in 3D since who knows when. Uh, and this was no Avatar. I mean, James Cameron has cracked the code on how to make that shit work. Uh, even though, yeah, I mean, it's still kind of is someone who wears glasses it's still. A lot of fidgeting around, even in Avatar 2. But uh, here, it, it was really just an extra burden. That and, and there's like one shot that was obviously composed as a little gimmick, you know, direct camera bit of stuff. But for the most part, it, it adds absolutely nothing to the experience except for maybe, you know, it adds a few dollars to the box office take. But the good news is, I will say,
2: the one good part or interesting part, maybe not good, but interesting part of Aquaman 2 is that it goes even harder on, like, climate disaster and the condemnation of mankind for, like, fucking up the world. Um, But, Katie, Mm. off pod, you made it sound like maybe you stayed home and watched the better version of this. It's called... Leave the World Behind. Am I right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. What a transition Thank you just you. made there.
2: Thank I did you. not watch David all of Leave the World I Behind.
1: um I just needed to, like, I, I want to be clear that I did not get that the whole thing. I did read the book, you though. You left and I, it,
2: the movie behind, if you will.
1: I left the movie behind. I just had other things uh, going on. I read the book, though, and I reread it this year because we talked about it on Little Gold Men. And it's such a good book. And I kind of always knew that. So it's by Ruman Alam, who is a executive producer of some kind on of this, but did not write the script. That was Sam esmail who is the director, who is the Mr. Robot guy, and did that show with Julia Roberts on Amazon homecoming. Oh, the one yeah. where
2: she's like a therapist or I think like so. I did not watch for the wartime. A minute yeah. of that whatsoever. It's on a podcast, um, I believe.
1: Um but you know the Where's book is the book is sort of like creeping horror, but it's also specific and detailed and it's like it gets a lot out of but people are thinking, but not saying where you've got this uh, relationship that forms between these four people, this white couple who live in Brooklyn and have rented this uh, Airbnb out in some unnamed Long Island town. And then at night uh, in the book, it is a older uh, black man and his wife uh, who are like in their 60s or something in the movie. For some reason, it is Mahershala Ali, who is, I think, younger than Julia Roberts and his daughter, who is like in her 20s. For some reason, if you, can cast,
3: if you can cast Mahershala Ali, I mean, you do it. Uh, sure i think it was I, supposed I, to be denzel it, uh, it was originally, originally
1: denzel washington which makes way more sense both like it, literally in the book his of the daughter many, like, is awkward...
3: his daughter's played by industry star mihala harold who i oh, just based me. on industry alone i will watch in anything including what i was able to make it through of leave the world behind
1: um but there's a <laughs> moment in the book where you so like you get the internal monologues of all these characters and uh, specifically um, Amanda who's the Julie Roberts character who kind of sees this like black couple arrive at their house and she has all these kind of horrible thoughts that she doesn't say out loud but implies being like how does this belong to them what if they're the housekeepers um, and then at one point she tells uh, the husband of the other family who was going to be played by Denzel Washington that he looks like Denzel Washington and everyone involved is kind of like oh, okay why did we say that even her and there's all these little small things mm-hmm. like that of how of interactions of like you know some racial dynamics but then also them kind of grappling with this mysterious apocalypse happening outside and what people do under pressure and what they think about and what they bother to save. Um, That just from what I watched in the movie wasn't there at all. And it's really hard to capture in a movie, but it doesn't really seem like that's what they were going for. Like there's like, it's just a different really broad strokes approach to what is a really simple story of like being in a house and not knowing what's going on outside. Um, But kind of the, the interest is all in the details for me from reading the book.
3: Had they cast Denzel Washington, they could have done an oceans 12 style uh thing you know
1: like do just... they remember making the pelican brief
3: <laughs> yeah well no we're just you know someone oh being, like you, you remind know, me of washington of i see yeah that's exactly. true and then they would have yeah. done love, it love again for that julia happens. roberts
2: and then she was playing julia and i had julia yeah, exactly.
3: roberts exactly <laughs> she could reprise the bit <laughs> for *Emotion 12 herself yeah um david did you uh, watch all of this movie behind? would have had one interesting thing in it
1: you made it I sound like you didn't watch the whole thing either i watched
3: nine i watched 90 minutes and then cut the last 10 minutes and wow what uh, I mean, I wasn't writing about it. This was just for displeasure. This was, pleasure, uh, yeah. but it was, uh, it was brutal. Um, I mean, I, I, Sam Esmail, I, I do not know him well enough. Did you watch him Mr. To be Robot? My mortal enemy, but more Ro, Mr. Robot is one of the worst things I've ever seen. Yeah, my, like the pilot get, is like a me it. on every possible level. I, I got through, I think five episodes of that show. I hated absolutely every single thing about it, especially Rami Malek. I think he but, likes David uh, Fincher.
2: That's my big takeaway. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay. Um and uh it just it left such a bad taste in my mouth. And I saw his first movie called like oh, What Comet was his first movie? He like made another movie. Um
1: what? I thought this yeah, was yeah, his before
3: first movie. before Mr. Robot. Uh, Comet. It was called Comet. Um oh. which is also not good uh and you know i i hated mr robot on a level that made me want to understand who this person was who had brought it into the world and was being so acclaimed um and i watched leave the world behind under similar pretenses and uh i mean i all i i loathed it in my core within the first scene i mean i think i hated it for the reasons that you're supposed to hate julie roberts's character but then i also hated a movie that would put that character forward in this way uh but i will say that it successfully builds tension over the course of you know the first hour i mean it's got an excellent cast and um the premise is pretty well realized i mean i think i, I didn't find it credible the whole thing with the the ocean liner you know i, I think it's a cool shot the way that they set it up uh, but the, the the what it means out it's the story the electrical field failing at all I didn't find it particularly But I thought credible. that part the, the, was like interesting because it's something that they wouldn't hear well, hang from on. the fucking house like a mile away. Hang on,
1: on, hang on. The boat is interesting because it's something that I think if you've been on a beach and you've seen like those gigantic ships out there, just like, oh, you kind of like distantly thinking about it. And the idea of something that you take for granted is kind of running along in its little track, like turning and coming directly toward you and like not everybody noticing it first. I thought that was pretty effective. I, I haven't watched the rest of the movie, so I don't know how it fits in there, but I, it I like I mean, that it, played out
3: i i i thought it was effective in a vacuum um sure. the this the next the next turn of the screw uh it, it just like so f- completely busted my sense of disbelief that it was impossible to remain interested in the movie to a degree but um the you know, things things really started to feel masturbatory um and uninteresting uh, i there's a bit about Rogue Teslas—that's fun and has been pointed out on the internet. But um yeah, I mean, it—it—it—it. It, 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 this is not my cup of tea. I—I I thought it was neat. You know, it's produced by the—it's executive produced by the Obamas, uh, who have a decent track record with nonfiction and a uh, god awful track record between this and Rustin with uh, historical fiction or fiction. Both um, movies and- are
2: on Barack Obama's best of the year list. Mm-hmm. Really.
3: I, I, well, I not,
1: think he, a, he, he acknowledged that that was he a He said case. that they're just-
2: legitimately good, even though he As if he has them. no he other did. avenues
3: to which to promote his own work. <laughs> uh,
1: was- I like the part where he added color purple late. Um, oh, my God. Presumably oh, overcalled no. him. That was funny. And
3: <laughs> I, I, You know, the end of this movie is so ridiculous that I had to see it for myself, and I'm glad that I did. Uh, we won't spoil it here, but it, it is... Uh, it is truly absurd. I mean, I just, I don't really buy what Sam Esmail is selling. I'm sure he's a very nice man. Um, there's just, there I just have an allergy to the way he chooses to tell stories based on my limited, uh, you know, the limited sample size that I've had. Um, and if I ever have to write about him, I will try to do better due diligence to understand the reasons <laughs> behind that allergy. But for now, it's a big no thank you for me.
1: Dave, did you watch this whole movie?
0: Nope nope oh. <laughs> i i watched i watched a clip of it uh this morning when i heard we might be talking about it which was that uh ocean liner clip which is mm. pretty cool but uh having you know recently thought about uh yandabod's speed 2 ocean liner uh stunt, where he actually built a, a like full-sized ocean liner to push through a model city to get that destruction right I
2: was like, I've 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 seen this done. He built a full-size ocean liner to mm-hmm. crash through a miniature that he's lived set. On it that ever would be since. that would be devastating. Like it's the boat, it would be well, so. Okay, I guess okay, okay. so. He, bar- so th- bre- he built part of an ocean uh, liner, just the front oh, part,
0: and then the back was with <laughs> a you know normal piston-driven drow- uh, system. It wasn't actually a boat, but they pushed it through a miniature set to make it the cruise control cruise.
2: Ship. Uh, conclusion. It controlled that cruise.
0: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, Yandabat, The more you read about him, the crazier his fucking. The man's is is. a genius.
2: I've had a. I've had. i I talked to him for the haunting once. What a
0: pleasure. Oh yeah. Wow. He
2: the talks man should about make another movie.
0: Getting getting scalped by by lions because he was in the, like a pit filming that lion movie. Yeah. Anyway, we don't need to talk about Yandabot Roar. Oh. Um, I didn't see. Uh, Leave the world behind, but it has been you know at the top of netflix so i'm sure at some point i'll get around to it or at least skip around it uh nor have i seen the other thing that you wanted to bring up katie because your family seems to have really enjoyed this uh, uh this offering
1: uh are we talking about taylor swift we are. lost track of uh, the list of
0: where we were <laughs>
1: well the other thing i, I thought i would leave the world behind because that was the, like the one thing that anyone in my family seemed to have watched and i've heard this anecdotally uh from other people too like the Bird Box comparison I think is really apt where it's the movie that drops on mm. Netflix amid all of their awards stuff and like everyone you know just watched that instead of Maestro or whatever. We might get to Maestro or David might quit the podcast before we get to it. I'm clear. <laughs> um, but yeah, we rented the Taylor Swift uh, concert doc uh, on VOD for nineteen eighty nine. Did you guys know that's how much it costs? Oh, rent it? Did you know that? It's,
3: come on. I love her commitment to the bit. You have to respect it.
1: Oh, her, her whole life is commitment to the bit. Um sure my is. mom has become very invested in her relationship with Travis Kelsey, which I did not know until I went home and I was, you know, kind of thrust into a whole new world. We watched the Chiefs on Christmas Day. Taylor was there. I don't know if you guys heard about it. Um so so it's a were blast. friends of like, the
3: show, Kate erbland and Mike Ryan.
1: There you go. Um the concert documentary is great. Like it's nothing but it's just a concert. Like it's not Miss Americana, which I know David, you're a fan of. Um and I think majorly sure say the respecter of Taylor Swift, if not a fan. Um, oh no, yeah, I'm a you, fan. If you can, but are you going to watch, did you go see the air store in theaters? Are you going to,
3: I, I this haven't in any way? seen a frame of it. Sadly. Why
1: not? You're a fan of Taylor children. Swift. Oh, fair I enough. I am a fan of, of like Taylor. They,
3: they didn't screen it for critics and I have children. So I, uh,
1: uh, the and the now kids? it's playing at
3: home and you know,
2: I, I mean, I don't, I'm not like,
3: I, I didn't go to the concert. I mean, I couldn't really afford to go to the concerts or get out no, there. Of course but not. like, uh, but, um, I, I really like her music, particularly her like Brooklyn dad era. Uh, you know, it started with, uh, folklore and then when it, as a Brooklyn
1: uh, dad, you like her Brooklyn yeah, dad that, era. Uh-huh. I mean, when
3: she is, she is essentially, you know, she's, she's collaborating with members of the national. I'm good. My ears are going to be perked up. Uh, I was definitely activated by that became, uh, a, a big fan of her work. I, and I remain a big fan of her work. Uh, I don't feel overly compelled to see for life, um, it, especially not in the a, comfort of my own home.
1: It, the movie is a good thing if you have a group of people. I mean, this is the specific situation at Christmas where we're I'm at my parents' house. Like, there's a bunch of kids running around, all of whom got sucked into it at some point. My niece is not making friendship bracelets. Um, but then, like, other relatives will come over and they'd see part of it. And everyone talked about their favorite outfits. And it was like watching sports and having that on <laughs> in the background. I highly recommend watching. I mean, you can sit down and watch it however way you want it. But I greatly enjoyed that. I think a three-hour concert movie at home to like sit down and focus on would be a lot to ask. Um, but yeah, as like sounded, ambient life was, was great,
3: running time was daunting for me in theaters, I think, uh, as it would be for almost any concert film. But I'm also the age now, I mean, this is really nothing against Taylor Swift, too. if you like, you know, gave me a list of, of 10 musical artists I could go see in concert, uh, you know, this year, maybe she would be on there. But uh, at, at, my, at my advanced age, uh, I'm really only going out the door and, and standing there with my achy old knees for, like, you know, Radiohead at this point. Well, you can so, watch Taylor
1: in your house. Wait, no. Patches, you have a daughter at, I think, prime <laughs> age for Taylor She
2: has seen
3: uh, the movie, and I have ah, not.
1: Ah! Did, did she go with your wife?
2: She went with uh, my my parents. Uh, ah! And, I definitely oh, saw a video cute. of that
0: on the feed. That's they cute. They went
2: during the day on, like, a Thursday, because in Jersey, all schools get, and maybe New York is like this too, David, where all schools give you a, a fall break but not Thanksgiving break. So like you get a full week off of school First of all,
3: in the middle they of November. Don't give us a break. <laughs> they,
2: they are okay, taking, they give children taking from us. A break. <laughs> um, so I, I, my, my daughter went to stay with her grandparents and they went on like a Thursday. They were the only people in the theater. And my daughter just got to dance around for like three hours and then Aww. fell asleep at the two and a half hour mark. <laughs> um, even though it's so loud, but that's yeah. how she sleeps. I have not seen this movie yet. I have no interest. I'm not, I'm not the biggest Taylor Swift person. I can't imagine watching it. But once it's home video and like rentable at a, an affordable price point, I'll probably pick that up so my daughter can dance around to it more. We just listening did, to Taylor. Does Swift she listen
1: nonstop. to Taylor yes. a lot now. Okay, so yeah, so it, We've it's actually totally moved on her from house. the
2: phase. Like this fall was oh. a full. For so Taylor Swift's Spotify playlist. Don't rent right now. it. It'll
1: just start everything all over again.
2: I know. I don't need more of that. Yeah. There's more music out there. I just That's think true. Taylor Swift has kind of become I don't know. What what's the what's the comp here? It's the most CBS. famous person alive. No. She's CBS She's like synonymous music. with music. She's CBS. I mean she <laughs> And I, I don't mean I mean no, i was just looking never, at the mo- i was great. just looking at the highest uh or the most viewed broadcasts network broadcast of the year list variety runs it's like top 100 it's lots of football as you can imagine the oscars are still on there and then it's just ncis episodes
1: mm-hmm. which mm-hmm.
2: is fascinating that people still are like whatever oh, day this is CBS. on i will be watching this on, no, on cbs, CBS. Uh,
3: NCIS CBS. on CBS. I, I was going to say, because if, if she were CBS, in order to Stop listen to her songs, CVS you'd have to, you'd your, have to get uh, an employee to come over and NCIS, CBS. Yes, the, I uh, every, every track. You know, you want to listen to style? Great. You got to buzz the buzzer. Someone's got to come over after you wait for five minutes. They page them over the intercom. They come over. They unlock it. You can listen to fucking style.
0: <laughs> what? Are, what are you buying? Batteries?
3: No. This Holding is the thing aside. about drugstores now. Is that New York drugstores really have gone a, crazy. A Walgreens mm. complaint in particular, but everything because of their completely inflated paranoia over shoplifting uh, is is locked up. Everything. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, so um, the
0: shoplifting specter that it's yeah. been, never. And now you have actually stories about how Riot was data.
3: using uh, incredibly racist AI software to profile people. <laughs> what? There. Yeah, um, yeah, read yeah, about it. yeah.
0: Google, Google is Think shoplifting going up in the U.S. And uh, enjoy your afternoon of watching data science like beat down. Anyway, doesn't matter. Taylor Swift era's tour. <laughs> yeah. You could you could rent that now for 1989. She's the
3: maestro.
2: Here. She's the true maestro.
3: She's right? the
2: maestro.
3: I mean, I, I am so wanna... I am so fascinated. And this is the chapter of Taylor Swift's career that I'm really looking forward to. Is Taylor Swift the filmmaker? Which is we she going to make blossom. a movie? What's the via How music videos and now this before? documentary but i mean she yes yeah, i mean she's making lights. a movie with searchlight um oh, when right. that is actually going to happen remains to be seen but it is was announced a year ago now um she is becoming as i think, long predicted she would a filmmaker do you think narrative that
2: she will be in her own movie or do you think no. that she'll be i do know i think her camera. acting
1: was already always she's, pretty beside the
2: point and
3: yeah, you know, she, but has she never is never even so particularly keen to be in other people's And I don't movies. mean this
2: in a negative, but like she's about controlling her image, telling her story. You think yeah. that Patches. she would let Was she in the
3: all too well music interpret- video, which was the closest thing she made to a narrative film? Absolutely not. Yep. Uh, yep. nor will she be in this. You're barking up the yep. wrong tree, my friend. Talk to Eleanor. She will set you straight.
2: I, I I believe that she will make a movie. I'm just I'm curious if she'll be in it. I am Man, I never talk say more, never. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Sorry, I mean, Dave wants to talk about something
0: else. I do, I do. I want to talk to Matt Patches about video games because uh, he, it sounds like, along with uh, lots of people who finally got time off from their jobs and yeah. are friends of mine, um, uh, has jumped into Baldur's Gate 3, which I have been doing for a couple of months and a couple of playthroughs. So it's really Patches... destroyed my
2: movie watching. I gotta be honest, I know I have a lot of work to do to catch up for our top tens and and various voting, and I have been completely derailed by the last minute uh Xbox release of Baldur's Gate three, which has obviously been out since August in a lot of other places. But um I am I have dabbled in D D, Dave. You you play D and D. You you've
0: yeah, got a group.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You are role playing. Katie and David, you ever do that? D and
1: D Um, I wonder if that's coming for me. I do feel like at least one of my children. If, you're, can, if, would if your get life into... will
2: sink, oh! If your kids will do that, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Like I feel like that could be coming for us. Yeah, but they're, not big, yet.
2: they're big dorks. I mean, it's a lot to I learn. Mean, once they but, get, um, once they
1: decide there's something other than Zelda they're interested in, will be, well, we'll be. right is, there. I
2: think Zelda is an on-ramp here, but yes, um, definitely. Mm-hmm. Baldur's Gate three, and I knew this going in, is D D. Like, if you mm-hmm. don't know how to play it, you will learn by playing this game, and um, it is. Uh, it is not fast paced. It is not. Katie, you could definitely play this game because okay. it is not like hit the button at the right time. First person shooter, spectacle, overload. Like this is not that game. It is. Pl- it's like playing a board game, but you get to walk around. And when you have your encounters, it's all turn based in a very classic RPG way. But with more of the D&D, the true D&D accoutrement and then and the systems that they've created for the game over the years i believe dave it's fifth edition that they're actually working off of uh and then they worked with wizards of the coast the people who produce uh dungeons and dragons and they they built this game on top of D D, and and it works like it's really engaging there's so much story there's so much voiceover there's so much to get lost in from collecting items to understanding how the game work something we've chronicled a lot at, at polygon is that there's no hand holding whatsoever this is where it would lose you katie if you decided to <laughs> dabble in this although i think your kids could actually if you don't mind um swords and like cutting people's throats in the, immortal, some...
3: <laughs> in the immortal words of sean levy's deadpool 3 director sean levy's this is where i leave you this is where <laughs> this is where that game the game leaves me I, yeah. I struggle also maybe where katie does with having too much choice in a video game i need i need uh, oh, and that, and an that's, appearance of linearity. yeah there's so
2: much choice and there's no hand-holding right so there's no explanation of how the combat works or how D. you know you could be and you could be endless possibilities right so at the beginning of the game, you could be a sorcerer you could be a fighter you could be a druid you could be a cleric there's no explanation for what any of these types of peoples do there's so many types of characters they all have different spells They will all counteract or contradict each other, depending on the party that you're building. Uh, My wife and I get to play co-op, like couch co-op. So there's a split screen where we are playing together. We've never been closer. Just the love we're making right now. I was going to ask Um,
3: video games, video (laughs) gaming together seems like a really great way of keeping the flame alive. Well, the flavor's
2: alive, is. but it's a lot of like yelling at each other the way you would. If you've ever played D&D and someone does the wrong thing, you get so mad. You get like, <laughs> why didn't you examine that character first? Why didn't you wait to roll? Why didn't you, you know, X, Y, and Z? There's a lot of ways to get mad. But you come back together at the end when you've when you've battled a god or you've taken down a horde of goblins and you and you, yes, you unite uh, and you do what you do. But um, we we have had a lot of fun really having a and d game between the two of us with this game being the Dungeon Master, essentially. Like, it is, and Dave, speak a little more to this, but, like, because I'm only in Act 1 of 3, but I've probably yes. played for what might be 50 to 60 hours. I just feel like I've played a lot of this game already, and I'm not And you And you're, you're only in Act
3: 1? I mm-hmm. think
2: so. Like, there's just, well, it takes time to exciting. do all the battles, it, and it takes time to... F- find all the nooks and crannies one thing um my colleague Maddie at, at Polygon who does the triple click podcast uh they I was listening to them talk about the game a little bit and they they said something really smart which is like they they made a game where you don't um where you don't know everything you, that's going on you miss a lot like the devs behind Baldur's Gate 3 were bold enough to make a game where they don't want you to see everything and if you miss a choice or if you make one decision you could. There's a whole part of the game you might not play, incentivizing right. you to maybe go back and play it again. Now, David, you and I are lot of like in this sorry, way. where sorry, I, uh, I no, get I extreme started... anxiety over this too. Where I'm like, I don't want to miss anything. But yeah,
3: I just wanted to follow up on the length question before. We oh, get Dave to you, will you have bet Dave.
2: more answers here
3: because Dave has played through it several times, and I had read that the playthroughs of this game were more like the 30 to 35 hour range. Uh, and I struggled to reconcile that. Duration with my understanding of how vast the game is, Um, and so what you're saying about playing sixty hours already and still being now I should I should
2: check exactly how long
3: I've played because Xbox
2: has released their uh, end of year. Calculations. so uh, i'll fact yeah, check why, myself why, so would own Xbox is this is
3: a different is. question but dave what yeah my, what's your experience my, like?
0: my first two runs which had a, a lot of different things about it in terms of uh the story based on like my decisions and companions both lasted about 80 hours um and uh, i there was a lot of stuff that i missed uh my current run i'm doing what's called a dark urge run which is if you play through the story with your own character, I think it's really great. And encourages role-playing. But there is a pre-made character called The Dark Urge that has a different angle on the same story. So there's lots of different dialogue options. There's lots of different cut scenes. There's lots of different voice acting. Uh, so I did that, and I decided that for my Dark Urge run, I would try to do it as fast as possible. Uh, I'm in Act 3 after 13 hours. Wow, That's mm-hmm. as fast as I could possibly do it. But you're and,
2: trying to blow past everything. You're not like, you've done this before. You're not trying to explore much. You're just getting through the quests. You're getting through the story.
0: I'm going where my dark urge tells me to go. <laughs> and anytime one of my companions You know that tells gets me- you in
2: trouble. You're on multiple lists in different states for following your dark well, yeah, urge Oh yeah, But I much. also
0: did something that I didn't even know was possible, which is at some point I did something one of my, or my evil butler asked me to do. And uh, now I have like a slayer mode so I could shed my human skin and become a demon in combat and just like start slaying things. So I'm under leveled for being in act three right now. So I have to be very particular about my builds and playing. But ideally, like, that's the thing. If you want to learn the game, uh, I think you can. I got Neil Miller on it uh, when the PS2 came out. He has never played d and knew nothing about it. And then, like last week, we were talking about how people are mean to the drow because of their like racial history. <laughs> so you could get into it by like playing this game. It gives you narrative reasons to learn things about the world. Second thing, uh, last Saturday, uh, because it has couch co op, uh, I brought one of my uh, my smaller TV that's in my office here over to my friend Julian's house along with my PS5. And he has a PS5. We both have Baldur's Gate and we'd had two friends you bring their controls over.
3: To somebody else's well, yeah. house.
0: So we you, did. You had a land party. Yeah, we You're did a living pl- a
3: very different life than I am, and I'm jealous. Well, it's
0: it's not straight. It's not a straight land party. It's we did two couch co op games over the network, okay. and the game was fine with it. When you do that in Baldur's Gate, it's not like any other co op game I've ever played. I could be on the other side of the map looting something, and they could be in combat doing something on the other side of the map. And it yeah. wouldn't interfere with either of our, like, uh, there, wouldn't, there wasn't any lag, <laughs> there wasn't any glitch. Um, so I, at one point, just sort of sent them into combat and I'm like, I'm going to go get this thing we need and just started running off in that other direction. So it's, I'm just amazed how much of this game is in this game. And there are still things that I've seen online that I have not managed to unlock because of the way that I'm playing the game. The most interesting thing is every time I think I'm going to metagame it, like build a really broken, you know, wizard build or, you know, like get rid of all my people and just do hirelings so I could, you know, do really fast combat. I'm always falling back into role playing what my character would be. Um, So it's been great at like focusing user choice. And a lot of it is through romances. Once you realize you could have romance and you're like, oh, I want to protect my girlfriend or my boyfriend uh and then you know like if you romance Gale he's super weak and then if he dies something bad happens so you're like all of a sudden really in- into Gale anyway it it you builds... just have wizard
3: sex for 80 hours and not save the world is that an option
0: <laughs> no you can only have there's only like love making scenes once for each character or once or twice for each mm. character depending uh but wow. the, that's the Ain't point that of the multiple runthers yeah. Um, <laughs> well yeah. it, it was Shadowheart my first girlfriend I had to get through a lot of her trauma before she was even willing to look at me romantically but uh, you know you were used I did some stuff
3: I just anyway, I, I would love to I, I would love to be the type of person who could really lose themselves in a game like this increasingly I find when I play video games that I am sort of button mashing my way through the story so I can just lose myself in the nitty gritty mechanical you
2: want to feel something
3: no, the opposite of that. I just, I want to, I mean, I want to feel the thing. rush. I, I want to feel the challenge of something, but I don't think that I have the mental bandwidth to get like, lost in another narrative. Cause I could be reading a book.
2: Well, I, you Elden Seven, Ring, you know. right? You were a big, Elden I loved, Ring El- I loved Elden Person. Ring
3: because, right. you know, the story as it is in all of the from software games is almost entirely ambient. And it's mm-hmm. really just, I mean, you, you can choose, I mean, it is open world. It's more Zelda than Baldur's Gate, but uh, you know, you can choose your own path, but. It is sort of about the mechanics of of getting through this foreboding land um and less about having to keep track of all the various plot threads that are happening in this fairy tale kingdom, which I just uh my my little my little brain is a little too full these days for
0: it's pretty great. I talked to a cat the other day that knew me from my previous life as the dark oh. urge, and I tried to get him to tell me what was wrong with me, and I, uh...
2: I love talking I, to the animals. Hmm. They have a yeah, lot um, of did something
0: bad to his, his, his family. Wait, Dave, did you play Alan Wake 2? I haven't played Alan Wake 2. I've watched a lot of, uh, how Alan Wake 2 relates to Twin Peaks The Return videos, though, so... Good God.
3: I, I am, uh... Wow, I'm just processing what you just said, and it's just a lot. But uh, I can, I can see, I suppose, like, aesthetically the connection, but, uh, I have been reading a lot about Alan Wake 2. I never played Alan Wake 1. Um, and it does seem kind of up my alley. I didn't love Remedy Games, uh, last game control, which I know a lot of people liked. I thought it was, I, it was great. I liked, like the atmosphere of it, but I sort of lost interest in the gameplay. Alan Wake 2 is, uh, scarier, um, which is a thing that gives me pause because I, my, my scariness for games threshold is only so high. I mean, I like, guess, like, again, foreboding goes a long way with me, but like actual horror. I don't know. The jump scares in All the Week 2 from what I've seen on YouTube don't really seem to prove too much of point but just like being immersed in that world after being immersed in our world. Isn't it darkness a mechanic
0: it, in that game? Like isn't the whole uh, game about darkness and light and you're like, I don't know. I've have the dispel the darkness where you could shoot something.
3: Entirely plausible. <laughs> it certainly seems dark enough to me. Uh but I think I, that is going to be my next big video game investment. Um although I'm really when I go on YouTube and watch gameplay videos or gameplay footage, what I'm trying to suss out is will I like this enough to play for more than 30 minutes? Will I be too too scared? Will it be the kind of thing that like scratches the itch that I want out of video games? I think it's like loop related games these days, which I know Alan Wake 2 is not. A lot of like rogue lights like that really hits a sweet spot for someone like me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, know, there's
0: 2. there's a world where you could play Baldur's Gate like three like that where you're just save-scumming it and before you do anything, you just save and then you just do the most extreme thing and then you sort of like reboot yourself.
3: I don't got time to save-scum anything, my friend. I uh happening.
0: (laughs) Even if you're not David Ehrlich, I have, uh, lots of people I know that even, even, weren't even like into D&D have been enjoying Baldur's Gate. I would have told you Tears of the Kingdom was the game of the year until I played Baldur's Mm. Gate, but it is, it is definitely
3: Baldur's Gate. The one night of my life I spent playing Dungeons and Dragons, I think it was like 12, was one of... It was such a fun time that I, like how 27 years later, still remember it fondly. Um, so that, I think, you know, bringing the tactile well, element of it to it, you know, with your friends imagine and basement with no other- windows.
0: Yeah, exactly. Three other people, someone's basement, two TVs, couch co-op, all together, and everyone decides to take off their clothes so you can see what the dragonborn genitals look like. That is what could be waiting for you with Baldur's Gate 3, if you so decide.
2: Um, Bulldog spe- options. Bulldog options.
0: Baldur's Speaking of things David doesn't like, <laughs> David, you watch mm. any Netflix movies recently?
3: <laughs> Not recently. I. Uh, it's been it's been three or four three months now. More than more than that since uh, I had the misfortune of seeing Bradley Cooper's Maestro, uh, which I saw in theaters uh, at the New York Film Festival. And, uh, yeah, not, uh, not for me. Um, I... What do you have against dream
1: ballets, David?
3: I mean, nothing when they are justified and say anything interesting about the characters who are dreaming them. Um, Mm -hmm. the choreography was, was mildly interesting. I mean, certainly that is one of the scenes that I go back to, um, you know, Snoopy being left in the vestibule. Uh, but I, I, you know, I, I certainly... The bar is, is higher for a Bradley Cooper Netflix prestige biopic than it is, uh, you know, a, a typical, like, Wikipedia adaptation, womb to tomb sort of thing. So all of this, Which is is great, of this is great the is not what this is. Of course not. No, I'm saying. I mean, like, this is judged, uh, you know, by a different metric. I loved A Star is Born. Uh, I left it having a real respect for Bradley Cooper as a storyteller, a respect that remains, despite the fact that I feel like he flagrantly missed this time around. But I... Admire the swing, you know, the the try hard nature of his uh, directing career so far, his public persona that people deride him for on Twitter, I think is, you know, intrinsic to his charm um, and will serve him well in the long run. Um, but this this movie, it just feels woefully misjudged to me. I, I left it feeling like I knew less or cared less about Leonard Bernstein or any of the people in his life than I did going into it. Um, it felt at once both like kind of anarchic and also incredibly sanitized, uh, had no interest in getting under the skin in a way that I would have found compelling. Um, and it, it, it really the worst sin that it made, created for me, committed for me rather, was that it made me wish, if only fleetingly, that it adhered to a more conventional biopic uh, structure. Which for someone like me who worships at the altar of Mishima, uh, a life in four chapters... Um, and, and you know prefers his biopics uh, to be the more unconventional the better is really the worst thing that a film like this can can lead me thinking. I also was unmoved by the performances that Kerry Mulligan does as well as any human being alive could possibly do uh, with the role that was written the way that hers was. Um, that's often true of Kerry Mulligan's performances. Um, you know, see Saltburn, which I think she did better than I would have thought any human being could, could do. She's uh, great but, in
1: Saltburn. Uh,
3: she sure is. I mean, you know, uh, she and nothing else, but she is great. Well, Rosemond Pike also good, but um, uh, yeah, I I really disliked Maestro, and uh, uh, not as much as I you know may have disliked other movies this year, but I, I think I really believe and. Uh, This may be cynical and maybe it'll be proven untrue, but I I think that people will look back with uh, hints of embarrassment uh, if they carried the torch from this movie. Um, And, you know, it's going to get a bunch of Oscar (laughs) nominations um, because it was written into the fates uh, that it was. I mean, some of them, Uh, certainly the blow the Lines one will be deserved. But this is the kind of movie that it got its Oscar nominations when it was greenlit. And I think that is a
1: lazy approach to how.
3: I mean, it is a lazy plays. approach to criticism, I'm allowed.
1: No, I think that <laughs> but, is you, um, you accusing it of being exactly what it's not, like the Oscar Beatty <laughs> biopic, which like, I think a lot of people are no, no. assuming There's that, but it's weirdness is, is what's turning you I off spent about minutes,
3: it. I spent minutes. It, no, please. Okay. Okay. Slow down. <laughs> C- calling this movie Look. weird in any way, shape, or form is offensive to me and weird movies. Uh, it is slightly unconventional by the most basic uh, standards of what convention is. Um, but I am not, there is a difference between me saying it was fated to get X number of Oscar nominations and it is Oscar bait. I think maybe that's a distinction that requires some unpacking, or only makes sense to me, which is fine. But I think that like, you know, this would have had to be a blank screen for two hours for just because of its narrative coming into it, its place in the season, uh, where it launched and whatnot, the money behind it, not to get a certain set of Oscar nominations. Does it defy kind of some certain conventions of what you might think of as Oscar bait. Sure. I also think that like the, what we think of as Oscar bait doesn't really apply anymore because the, the identity of an Oscar really movie has changed a lot of the years, but in terms of how challenging this movie is um, or you know, it isn't, I should say, um, I think a lot of it, it, it's form wants you to think that it's challenging when it's content isn't at all. Uh, I don't disagree with you. There's a huge disconnect between his ambition and the content of what he's delivering here.
1: I don't disagree with you on a lot of this stuff i do kind of wish it was more of a classic biopic i wish i'd learned about more about leonard bernstein over the course of it like it's too much about his relationships but i just feel like there's like you're approaching it from this point of view of being like well this is how it was meant to be positioned within the world so therefore it's not worth considering and i think there's interesting stuff going on in it in terms of filmmaking in terms of the approach like even if the approach doesn't work entirely like it is a complicated movie in the way that it tells the story. And I feel like you're being really dismissive
3: of it. It's a, it's a, com- it overcomplicates itself in order to, I mean, this is obviously this is causation is not how it happened. This was not Bradley Cooper's intention, but my experience watching it was that it overcomplicated uh, a very uh, inert and uninteresting screenplay in order to, or that its effect was to disguise the fact that it has so little going on under the hood. And Katie, you know, I may be reverse engineering from my experience of watching the movie, my thoughts about where it is in the Oscars and whatnot. But when I sat down to watch it, hoping for the best, uh, I certainly was not thinking about it in the lens of awards. Uh, I never do when watching a movie because I could not Sure, make I don't think you do, point. which is why it's but weird to hear I, you talk about I, it like I that. Mean, yeah, but because I, it gave me so little else to chew on. I mean, truly, I it was like chewing air for two hours. I really felt like there was nothing happening in this movie. Oh my God. Um, I, I got nothing out of it. Uh, I. I have not read any convincing arguments that um, have made me feel like I was really missing something. I appreciate people being enraptured by sort of the virtuosity of some of the filmmaking choices, I suppose, and sort of buying into the whole romance of it um, and the tragedy and whatnot. But, uh, and I will definitely admit being charmed to his exertions, his directorial exertions in the first 45 minutes. I mean, the whole way that Bernstein is introduced is fun and kind of electric in the moment. but, uh, you know, by the time you have Bradley Cooper, you know, doing a perfect mimicry of Leonard Bernstein conducting in that church at the end. And, and I, I mean, I I just felt like that was what I was watching. It was like a mimicry of something that he'd watched on YouTube and copied exactly. Mm. And uh, I I really this movie really lost me. Um, I want nothing <laughs> but the best for Bradley Cooper, but this wasn't it.
0: I, I feel similar to David, but it doesn't make me mad. I feel like sort of like the beginning of this movie is sort of like Elvis, where like I'll go and I'll watch it and then
3: like now stop. that movie the made me of... We <laughs> all
1: do remember that David famously hated Elvis. Uh, he just doesn't
0: like music, I think, is where we're
1: robotic. Maestro
3: is better than Elvis, I will give yes. it that.
0: But like, I really like uh, the energy of the opening, I like the sort of screwball comedy pacing when uh, he meets his wife, um, but then I do think... Uh, the movie's actual storytelling gives way to its directorial choices uh, once we get out of black and white, basically. Um, There's a couple of times where it skips through time, where the only reason I know it skips through time is because, one, uh, the makeup gets different, and uh, two, this movie, Bradley Cooper's sort of ideas, instead of something like A Star is Born, where we're locked in so many different close-ups is that we only get closer to Leonard as he gets more distant from his wife, visually, um, sort of just leaves you with, like, this, or left me with, like, this weird feeling that I think Katie and David have both said, which is, like, I kind of wish there was more of the biopic in the middle and the end, because I understand, you know, Felicia's conflict, which is, you know, the the, the lover that comes second to genius and maybe second to you know, the musing of younger men. I I understand that storyline and it definitely deals with that, but as a way of encapsulating this man's entire life and his series of relationships, I wanted a little bit more uh, evidence of the genius instead of uh, the Mahler's resurrection and the dream ballet, which I think are the two points where the movie actually gives me some of that. Um, Because otherwise you just kind of have to take it uh, with your... Personal, you know, Leonard Bird scene connections, you know, if yeah. you like West Side Story or something, you're like, oh, he just, you know, coming off a West Side story, this is happening. Um but the movie doesn't hold your hand in that direction, which I think ultimately reduces the the size of what the end argument could be to something that feels more like an intimate, rich couple, uh, hmm. which I didn't I didn't, they do have a I great didn't house, like. Though. I think you feel like you you <clears throat> lose the tension in the argument. And it kind of becomes like, I haven't seen Leave the World Behind yet for a trailer or whatnot, but towards the end of this movie, you're like, you know, they have all these kids and they can't uh, spend a second to not argue and look at Snoopy. And then I realized, (laughs) then I realized I was on a different track that the movie was on. And so from then on, I tried to enjoy it for what it was. I agree that Carrie Mulligan's doing the best she can with what she has, but ultimately that is Carrie Mulligan. Uh, and bradley cooper interpreting the script i think the script could have been played a bunch of different ways so that's why i enjoy that performance uh but bradley cooper is doing mostly he's doing leonard bernstein except when he's doing leslie neeson Le- right Wait, who <laughs> leslie nielsen no 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 uh the the naked gun guy yeah leslie, leslie nielsen. nielsen yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought you meant I don't know. He just looks like second. he looks like that in the middle of this movie. I'm just hey. like, Who is- oh right, right, Leonard Bernstein.
3: And he keeps just- referring people to people as Lieutenant Drebin. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, no, he's Lieutenant Drebin, Nordberg. He keeps calling people Nordberg. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I, I,
0: I, call I, I, I I jammed this in because I thought we were doing our top tens today, but we're not. And uh, Maestro's still not on it. It's just you know, it it was fine, but it's not. I didn't I didn't have the greatest time with it. I
1: just think that the stuff that's really good is really, really good. And the idea that there's like nothing in there to connect with, like, feels really flat wrong to me. I do like I I agree with a lot with what Dave said about like the story just not kind of having the focus that you maybe wish that it would. But um stuff that worked, like the Mahler sequence in the cathedral, I think is incredible. And I wouldn't really trade that. Like that's the movie Bradley Hooper wanted to make and we got that. Okay.
0: I mean, yeah, I'm I'm fine with it. We'll we'll see. I I think David I <laughs> was saying is like if somebody really, you know, plants plants their their hopes and dreams on Maestro being, you know, the movie of 2023, they're going to get hoisted by their own petard on that one. Sure.
1: Like it's not the I movie just, of 2023. I think that's okay. No.
3: I you know, I there there I I'm also I have some pent up frustration's not the right word, but it's just uh you know, there have been, and this is, this is happens this time of year sometimes. It feels like it's been more pronounced than usual, where there have been a number of movies that I have found either misguided or extremely mid, as the kids say, the Holdovers mm. being one of them. Um, and oh my God, I, we're, I we just, will
0: yell about the Holdovers uh, next week. Don't worry. That's probably true. Um, in terms of, uh, and I'm just like, fake I, film I don't grain, want though.
3: to be this way, but
0: in terms of fake I, film grain, Maestro's, it, you know. Maestro's fake film grain uh, yeah, I beats know. You, May you December's can't miss fake an film
3: grain. You can't miss an opportunity to pile on May December's fake film grain, but. Um, that I will. Uh, yeah, anyway, I was going to say something that I should. I only
0: came up this, because but... the holdovers did it the best. You brought that out of me. How dare you? <laughs>
1: yeah, um, the whole,
3: that we we've established that the holdovers looks wonderful, and I also think that Maestro looks wonderful. Um, but uh, you know, <laughs> a good look at good cinematography and a fake nose will only get you so far. Patches, are you going
1: to see Maestro?
2: Need to figure out when I'll have the enthusiasm and stamina to watch this movie at home. Now
3: it's
1: not that hard to watch.
3: I know, yeah. but Baldur's Gate 3. it's a slog. It becomes oh, yeah. the second half is really a slog. And the first, I mean, when he's like playing the bongos and Matt Bomer's butt, it's fun. Uh, but when you know, that's like when, the very beginning.
1: When, I mean, it is fun. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
3: Um, it's like Elvis.
0: And, uh, I'll watch
1: the first uh, half hour of Elvis and I'll watch
3: the first out. half hour of oh. Maestro
0: and I'll be like. What, what pacing in filmmaking? What a world. And then don't, don't worry about the back half of it. Yeah.
3: yeah. I mean, yeah. I and mean, this is a problem that the Star is Born suffered from to a lesser degree, uh, being a little bit front loaded. I think, you know, also it's, a, it's another story where the second half is dominated by tragedy. Um, True. But hard to handle. Uh, and it's often the case we see in musical stories, biopics or not, sort of, in, you know, inherent to the musical form. Uh, but yeah, it's a slog, this maestro. I'm curious to see, you know, so much as I'm curious about anything in the awards process, I'm curious how, because the movie has sort of gone over like a leadstone. Um, I'm curious, is that the expression? I don't know. It doesn't matter. I'm curious how uh, it's going to pan out in terms of the nominations whatnot, because the the it seems the general public said very little interest in Maestro. It's no Leave the World Behind on the Netflix charts. It's no Ricky Gervais, you know, mm-hmm. uh no Equalizer it's 3, three which it, is the number is. 1
2: on Netflix. Yeah, right Equalizer now. 3. I mean, The no, Rebel Moon, A Child of Fire, which yeah. we also haven't talked about.
0: All right. And with the summoning of Zack Snyder like Beetlejuice, <laughs> this podcast is over.
1: that does it for this week's show as we said next week we're doing our top 10s exciting what will we yell about so much we'll get
2: to talk about rebel moon then (laughs) oh no patches no
1: i'm gonna come in i'm gonna see aquaman 2 and put it on my top 10 and then we're gonna get back to it that's (laughs) gonna be the real twist um in the meantime tell the people who you are
2: I am Matt Patches. I am the executive editor at Polygon.com. I've been listening to the Wish soundtrack nonstop oh, since no. the holidays. So maybe maybe that movie's good now. At um, least no. cool <laughs> the songs are.
1: we are all shareholders in the universe when you think about it. Uh,
2: and I'm on Blue Sky at Mr. Patches, Letterboxd at Mr. Patches, and we have a website, BitingInTheWarRoom.com, where you can listen to our, our review of the original Aquaman, which I hope we were raving about at the time, or the top tens of that year where I was raving about it, my number ten film of the year, Aquaman 2. Sorry, I don't think you're going to make the cut. <laughs> uh I am
3: David Ehrlich. I am the film critic in IndieWire. Uh, you can find me on X, uh, where you'll see me promoting my if you want to seek preview of uh, what my top 10 list is gonna be and mm. who could resist that um, you can uh, after I made such a positive impression on our listeners this episode I'm sure uh, all the maestro fans out there you can find you can find that the video more importantly the fundraiser behind it online um, you can find me on letterbox and blue sky and Instagram and uh, I'm fighting in the war it's a podcast. My friends, uh, and we are all together on iTunes, fighting in the worm room, the iTunes store, the podcast app, whatever the fuck it's called. Go on there, leave us a review. It's called a review, but you can really make it into anything you want. You can just make it a discursive essay. You can diary there every week. Just put a little entry about what <laughs> you've been doing in your life. We'll read it live. We'll immortalize it over the airwaves. Um, do it. Also, if you are not in the United States or using VPN or otherwise have access to the american podcast store you can email us dave where can they do that
0: you can email us at fitwr.podcast at gmail.com i'm dave gonzalez you could follow me on the spaces as uh, da7e or grumpy da7e you just uh, find a search i would love david if uh, included in the montage of your best of video you have a little snippet from Baldur's Gate 3 where you get to fuck the bear. I think that'd be very funny. Uh,
3: um, uh, I think that would make a lot of sense in context. I will say there is a lot of maestro in my video. I am not joking. Um, <laughs> there's even a own, as of now, If unless I decide to cut it between now and next Monday, there is an entire little maestro section.
0: I'm you just know. saying, co- shot from cocaine bear cut to uh, Halson as a bear smiling at you lustily. Everybody would laugh, Um, uh, (laughs) but uh, yes, email us, fitwr.podcast at gmail.com. Listen to that trial by content episode this week as we try to guess what's going to be the biggest movie of 2024, and that's it for me.
1: Patches, did you go, am I last, why do I always mess this up?
0: You, ha- you didn't you didn't decade. for
1: like eight years i know for like eight years you I were fine and, and then now I'm you're just like who taught now you got the and yips <laughs> i got the yips yeah this is uh this is gonna be in my podcasting career i am katie rich i'm not quitting podcasting for now uh i'm at vanity fair on little gold men where we'll be doing the golden globes they're coming up i'm excited uh my friend my close personal friend taylor swift is probably gonna win a golden globe so we we'll get to talk about that um <laughs> You can find me uh, on Twitter, some on Blue Sky more and on Letterboxd at Katie Rich. You can find us on uh, Twitter and Blue Sky at FITWR, where you can tell us what you would do if you had Matt Bomer in your bed in Carnegie Hall. Please keep it PG. Uh, Or you can answer this week's lightning round question, which was?
0: What was your resolution? Or if you didn't do resolutions, what is one of your goals for 2024?
1: Actually, I really want to hear those. Don't tell us about Matt Bomer. Just tell us about those. Uh, (laughs) Thanks for listening. We'll be back talking to you next week. (laughs) babam babam
2: babam 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 babam